Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Black and Blue Pod. I am your host, Matt McLaughlin, joined alongside by Timmy Gorman, and this is Timmy's favorite time of year. That's right. It's March Madness, baby. We got the tournament. We are taping this on Tuesday afternoon, my time, night Timmy's time. Gotta love West Coast time zone differences. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to be previewing the bracket, kind of giving our picks for legitimate dark horses maybe a cinderella and some heavy favorites uh and hopefully we can help you make your bracket a little bit better um so let's just jump right into it so let's start with the heavyweight contenders these one seeds you've got uh alabama houston purdue uh and kansas as the one seeds kansas not necessarily a shocker um alabama with all this brandon miller stuff going on we're going to talk about it uh, how that may affect the team on the court. Um, and Purdue, we have some certain feelings about Purdue, uh, which we'll also get into. Uh, but Houston, surprisingly, pretty much under the radar so far. Like, out of out of all this weird, this entire season, which has been very strange of number ones going up and down and top 25 getting shuffled around, Houston has been pretty consistent for the most part throughout the season. So, Timmy, if there's if there's one heavyweight, that could get bounced early who would it be and why i mean i think we're in agreement. It's, it's always like you look at purdue and it's always purdue like and <clears throat> yeah and it's nothing against them like especially like in matt painter's early years i loved him when, when he first got them back to being relevant like they were really good in the mid early to mid late 90s with Gene Cady, uh, Glenn Big Dog Robinson. I think they even had a final four run there at some point, maybe Elite Eight. I can't remember. Um, to me, I always remember them because they knocked off one of my favorite college basketball teams ever in St. John's and uh, the Eric Barkley St. John's teams. Uh, and I, you know, was pissed about that. <laughs> um, but like they sucked for a little bit. And then Matt Painter came in and it started with what they were known as the baby bees, the baby woolly makers. And it was Jawan Johnson, Robbie Hummel, who seems like he played in college basketball for 9,000 years. If you, you're as old as I am, but he was great. He, everything about him was awesome. Uh, Eric cream, Eric Creamer, I, Creamer is his last name. Rob Creamer, Eric Creamer. I can't remember his first name. Um, and now I'm going to blank on the, on, Oh, uh, Carl Landry was the other one. I think I think I'm missing one more in that group. But there was like four or five of them. And they were like the the new hope for Purdue. And for my age group, it was like nice to see Purdue good again. And Matt Painter, ever since that time, has kind of just made Purdue like a steady success in college basketball. They're always in the Big Ten tunnel race. They're always in the tournament. They kind of sucked and they're kind of good again. But the last like six or seven years, they've been like always flirting with the top 10 every like a, a top three seed and stuff like that you know they had um Carson Edwards a couple of years ago and that really close loss to Virginia who went on to win the national championship at one point yeah so um, uh, just for quick reference so the last three mm-hmm. straight years they've been a top four seed in the tournament um and the last time they were a number one seed was 1995 to 96 uh where they lost in the second round uh, and they finished as the number four team in the country. So that's just for people's references how rare this has kind of been for Purdue to have this high right. level of success. Yeah, and and to, to to have the number one ranking too, they're like 
because they're a team that I think you always think of, like, can be there. But, like, whenever they're ranked this high, they never get they never get as far as you're hoping they can. So it, it's the stepbrother of Iowa. That's what it is. Like, that's, right. They're the other, the other team. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like with the whole, everyone we've talked about this, the Zach Eady part of this equation is we are very much out on Zach Eady. And it's not because we don't think that he has the skill or the talent. Well, the part of that is, like, we just think that he is so overrated. Like, we just think he's so overrated. People are comparing him to Yao Ming. And I think people forget how good Yao Ming was. And Zach Eady is not that. I went to, uh, my dad and I went to, Penn State played a game at the Palestra against Purdue. Marketing thing. Great game. Great atmosphere. But Edie doesn't impress me. Like, he just reminds me of, like, Luca Garza. And mm-hmm. in the tournament... Those seven footers, those like taco falls of the world, they don't translate well. And Sean Bradley, taco fall. Sean Bradley's a good, good pull. Um, who um, was the that, bum on Syracuse? Uh, that mellow. Oh, that there is that. Uh, I would, that's what I did. So I did, I tried to look up seven footers who have been on national championship teams that scored double digits. Cause Zach is averaging like 22 points per game or something like that. The only seven footers I could find on national championship teams average like four to five points a game. And to really even find a borderline big man that could fit this criteria, you'd have to go back to 06, 07, Joakim Noah, Joakim Noah. You could go to Greg Oden, Amika Okafor, in 03 to 04, he averaged 17 points per game. I mean, Jalil Okafor. Zach Eady is no – like he's – he doesn't even come close to how how good Emeka Okafor – like Emeka Okafor was way more nimble than Zach Eady. And this is nothing personal with Zach Eady. No. Like because he actually seems like a nice guy, whereas like Luca Garza kind of came off as an asshole, but like then in interviews, he seems cool too. But like when you listen to Zach Eady talk, he seems super respectful, just like down the earth kind of guy. And it's not his fault that ESPN and all these other media teams just go ham, get on their knees, and blow them. Like it's not like they just have no, they have no better option what to do. But it's like to do one, but they also almost choked the twenty point lead to the ten seed. Tournament in the final, which go to Penn lines. State, but like you know, like obviously the Big Ten is was deep and it always is, and everyone all oh, the best comp it isn't, but whatever. But you know, and there's nothing against that Penn State team either; they're pretty good. And when they get hot, they're, they're, they're scrappy. Dangerous. They're scrappy. They're scrappy, and they got some shooters. Exactly. And, um, potential sleeper. I don't know. We'll get to that later. Later on, but like. I just – if you get the right coach that knows how to neutralize someone like Zach Eady, you know, there's a reason that a lot of these players don't succeed. Like, Roy Hibbert's another one. Mm-hmm. Roy Hibbert found some success in the NBA. And then overnight, just like that, his, his career was finished. And you felt bad for him because he seemed like a great guy. Everything was fun. Those Pacers teams are fun. But it was kind of the same thing at Georgetown. It was like at one point, it was like, how can you beat Georgetown? They got Roy Hibbert. You got Jeff Green traveling. 
everywhere he goes. You got all these other players. I'm never going to get over it. He traveled. Vanderbilt should have won that game. Anyway. I was waiting to see how long that was going to take. The over-under was going to be five minutes. That would have been the over. We're at eight. So, I was, I'm honestly impressed. <laughs> the, 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 and it's only because they were good. They were good for the last 12 games this season that I care. So, um, so eventually you get the right coach and they will know, they will learn how to neutralize somebody of Zach Eady's talents per se. They will go small and it's like, yeah, you're going to lose the rebounding, but it's like, cool. When he has to come out of the paint, you're going to play zone. That's fine. You can do it. But if you know there's a coach out there that can construct an offense that does enough passing in the right angles and right right ways to get open looks, layups, shots, whatever it is, beat you in the fast break, have people that can get rebounds over seven-footers, that eventually they will neutralize him so much or get him in foul trouble that it will, you know, it, it, will, it won't matter. And then it goes down to everybody else in Purdue. And I'm sorry, but – I couldn't name you one other person on Purdue's roster. No, I couldn't. I couldn't. Even when I was watching the Big Ten title, I was like, I know it's Zach Eady, but I have no idea who these other guys Nobody are. Nobody else. And it, I, no in my opinion, person else. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be a coach. It could just be an SEC officiating crew that is going to say like, no, we're not going to give you those fouls. And so what are they going to do when they don't get those free throw opportunities or those um, like second chance points? That's going to be the key deciding factor. So um, Speaking of officials, can we rejoice that one more time, TV Teddy will not be allowed in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Hallelujah. His ass is still banned. Never again will we see him ruin an NCAA game. Continue. <laughs> of course. Well, I think we've talked enough about Purdue. I think we've got that covered. Um, let's talk about Alabama because they're obviously one. They got a cloud hanging over them. Brandon Miller is connected. Um, and is considered uh, an accessory to murder in a horrible situation, which we're going to focus on strictly the basketball on on the court stuff. I just personally don't see with Alabama how they can make a serious run with this hanging over their head. Because like if Nate Oates hasn't gotten this program under control, I don't know how he's going to be able to do it now. Yeah, like I'm actually amazed that they won the SEC tournament after. ESPN dropped that article last week. Yeah. Because I honestly thought that that was going to be the, like, nail in the coffin where it was going to be like, oh, this came out. It's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't, surprisingly. Don't know how. That said, um, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting for the other foot to drop where something comes out and it's just like, he's ineligible. Or... Some more news comes out where, like, I don't know. You know. The greatest thing about this country, one of the greatest things about our country, and there's not a lot of things that a lot of people can rejoice in with everything in this, that's just going wrong in this country every day, but is that one of the greatest things is you're innocent till proven guilty. This isn't like Iran or Iraq or any other dictatorship-run country where you do something wrong, you get taken in the middle of the night and your head gets chopped off, right? Like, you're you're you are given the right to a trial by jury, right? Yeah. And for the most part, unfairly, for the most part, that's so. You know, I right now we sit to assume he's innocent, but for everything that's been said, like you said, he's an accessory to murder. 
He didn't shoot anybody, but he provided the gun that was used in a capital murder case. I don't know the gentleman, the young man. None of us do. You and I don't know. No one really does. And, you know, everyone can make mistakes, but the dumb shit mistakes I was making at 20, 19, 20 years old didn't involve people dying. Let me put it that way. And I just don't understand how Alabama can continue to let him play with this hanging over. Now, you know, maybe this comes out in a couple of months and it's like, well, this is why he was allowed to play. Mm-hmm. I can't say. But right now, with all the things that we know, it's crazy. And I am just waiting for the other shoe to drop and for them to be like, Brandon Miller's not playing today and we don't know if he's going to play the rest of the tournament. Or this came out and Brandon Miller goes two for 20 in Alabama – just fucks up and gets blown out or something. You know what I mean? It's yeah, just it's... come. I feel like it's just coming, right? Like that. It's just, it's just, it's just this anvil hanging over Wiley Coyote's head, and it's waiting to drop. And something bad is coming. I mean, something bad has already happened. Yeah. So a young, a young woman, mother of one, has lost her life. Like, like we can't. That that's the most tragic thing of all this. Like, not the we can't lose sight of that. Yeah, and an absolutely. Innocent woman is dead, but. I just, I just can't see this. Like, it, it can't keep going on. Like, they're, they're at some point, something else is going to get out. Whether they're going to either have to kick him off, or he's going to play, and, and Alabama is just going to not have their focus, and someone's going to take advantage of it, and they're going to lose. I just can't, I can't see it not happening that way. Well, especially, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a bombshell um, article that drops, like either after. The tournament ends or after the NBA draft, depending if Miller does get drafted. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, and with Alabama, like, they're still in a pretty considerable, like, considerably tough region with West Virginia. You have Virginia in there. Um, Creighton. I mean, some of these teams from a basketball perspective can give Alabama problems. And like Baylor, Arizona. You know, Baylor, Arizona, exactly. Baylor's, Baylor's three guards can easily, you know, and when when a Scott Drew team wants to play defense, they can lock down, as evidenced by the twenty twenty one national championship. So I, I wonder is like from a publicity standpoint, publicity standpoint, um, is it better if Alabama gets bounced early, or is it better? Is it better if? Miller shows out and they make a deep run because so in my mind, if they go on a deep run, there's going to be more and more public pressure on Alabama to right. do something about Miller and whether it's have them take a leave of absence or suspend them, same thing, or he keeps doing this and people just forget about it. Like I, I that's definitely a possibility. I don't know which would be better for Alabama. The the problem is, is that I think, and we're going to get a good testament of this in their first game, but these neutral, he's been kind of not put in a bubble and like. He's isolated. He's been isolated. Like they haven't had to really go anywhere since all of this came out, like. Have they had any road? Did they have any road games after the the news came out that he provided the gun? When did when was the news? Because oh. because outside of outside of that, where the only place that would have gone is the SEC tournament, which is in Nashville, and 
SEC in general is like they're anybody who's going to start bringing stuff up like that, they're going to kick that person out of the arena immediately. Not to mention in Nashville, it's a, it literally at Bridgestone Arena is a stone throw away from Vanderbilt's campus, and if there's one college, one university in the SEC that's going to actually handle that with grace, it'd be the only one you get an education at in Vanderbilt. So. Since uh, the, the article, not the article, um, since the news released that Brandon Miller provided the gun, which was February 21st, Alabama has only played two road games. Uh, they went one and one. One was an overtime win against South Carolina, which was the day after the news came out and Miller dropped 41. And then mm-hmm. there was uh, March 4th against Texas A&M, which was a loss by six points. Uh, and since then, obviously, with the SEC tournament, Alabama's played neutral site games ever since. So, I mean, it's going to be a tricky situation. And, like, Nate Oates, like, we're going to find out who you are as a coach on how this tournament goes. Are you going to be able to handle a locker room, keep your guys focused as much as you can, and really just handle one of the biggest public image crises in college sports in a very long time since I can remember. I mean, like this is beyond like academic or not academic, but yeah, like academic ineligibility or recruitment violations. Like, I mean, maybe the Rick Patino stuff from Louisville, but like, it's like, there's that there's the Ohio state football program stuff with a tattoo uh, gate B their assistant coach being a piece of shit. So that that was two different instances. Uh, there is all the Tyron Matthew stuff at LSU. Yeah. Plus the tire, the stuff that came out afterwards, which didn't affect the season now with LSU basically ha- 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 having like a gangbang with the with a their star football player at at the bowl game after party or something. I don't know what was going on there. Um, maybe the Penn State thing. Yeah. Yeah, probably. For different reasons, but both still very, like. Intense. Yes. And polarizing. So, we'll see. We'll very see. Very polarizing because I, that Penn State thing, I, I'm not even a Penn State fan. There were points where I'm like, why are the current players being punished for something that, a total scumbag did, you know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll it's, see. We'll see. It's, it's, it's very, it's a very, it's a very touchy subject. Let's put it that way. And all you can always, the, the only thing that you can really say and firmly believe is that it's, it's a tragedy that a young innocent woman lost her life and that her, her son is going to grow up without knowing his mother and that you you know you just hope for the best for you know his, her family and that 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 kid. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as difficult as this may be to transition, we're going to segue to uh, Kansas. What are Kansas's chances of repeating? Because they're in a tough, tough West region that's absolutely loaded. I mean, just if you don't have your bracket in front of you, I mean, no, Kansas, yeah. Kansas has. UCLA in their region, they got Gonzaga, Arkansas, UConn, Illinois, St. Mary's, VCU, TCU. Um, Northwestern is no team to sneeze at. 
Like, this is a very, very tough region, which I kind of like for a defending champion. I think it should be tough. You should have the hardest region um, to go through. And even even Iona, like, Rick Pitino is coaching for a possible Power 5 job this tournament. And depending on how this tournament goes, he could be flooded with offers. So, Rick Pitino's I think he's going to be flooded no matter what. I think there's going to be teams so desperate to try and get him to try and restore their image. Georgetown. Yeah, I do. It's going to be. No, yeah, it's like that second matchup, like Arkansas and Illinois, of them are walking the park. You know, they're they're both play an intense kind of very physical version of basketball. They can easily give problems. Not to mention. Who knows what Bill Self's condition is? He missed the entire Big 12 tournament being sick. So who knows what, what, how healthy he's going to be and come back. I think Kansas on their day can beat anybody in the, anybody in the country and can easily run this table. But just like in 2018 when North Carolina was doing the same thing, like they lost in the second round in a slip-up against um, A&M that no yeah. one saw coming. And I think – Depending on wh- whichever one of those that Arkansas, whoever survives that Arkansas Illinois game, I think they can easily. I mean, we saw it last year. Arkansas knocked the presumptive favorite in Gonzaga out, sent them home back in early. The year before that, they they probably were the only team that gave the eventual national championship Baylor the only one who gave them a, an actual run for their money. So, like, Musselman knows how to play the underdog role. They don't even deserve to be in the tournament, let alone. But that—that's another thing. But they're one of like six teams that got in over teams that shouldn't have been in. But now that they're in, who knows? You, you just—you uh, never. Musselman is the is Eric Musselman is is a notorious like he just knows how to get the best out of very little, and he will pump that team up so goddamn much. To be like, no one gives you a chance. That's an eight in the champ. They're gonna think they're like they're gonna walk all over you. Blah blah blah. Next thing you know, Arkansas wins by twenty, and like Kansas is just going home. Not to mention, let's not forget this too. Outside of his two national championships, he hasn't exactly covered himself in glory. Like he's lost a lot of times in the NCAA tournament as the higher seed. A lot including back in like 09 and 10 when they were the number one presumptive favorites and they got absolutely railroaded out of there by a couple teams. The one time by Northern Iowa and I forget who they lost to in 2010, but you know what I mean? Like they, they lost quite a few times to teams that they should have, you know, beaten and taken, you know, taken to the, you know, the woodshed and they got taken to the woodshed themselves. Exactly. So when I look at Kansas, I think in their region specifically, I think UCLA is a huge team to keep an eye on if they do eventually meet uh, Kansas in the Elite Eight. Illinois, Illinois, man, I think for whatever reason, I'm always buying into Illinois ever since that A.O. DeSomo year. Um, they don't have Kofi Coburn, I think, right? He's not. No, he's, he's not. gone. He went to. He transferred somewhere that I don't think he ever played. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. He went um, to like St. John's, I think, and then never played. I feel like. Uh, did he? 
Kofi Coburn. One of the best names. He is a uh, no, he didn't transfer. It doesn't look well, at least Wikipedia. Uh, as a sophomore, he was going. Oh, that's right. He was going to transfer and then he stayed. He ended up staying. I think he pulled out of the portal. No, it was last year. Scored this. Ed, the Ed, sumo left and then he was going to leave, then came back and played again. And then I guess he went to the draft. Yeah, he went to the draft. Um, and I guess he didn't never got drafted. So now he's playing in the Nigerian league. I think. Yeah, he went undrafted. And he is currently playing for the Japanese B League. <laughs> Yikes. Poor Kofi Coburn. Anyway, all that to say is I think Illinois is. I think Arkansas is coming in with a little bit too much bravado, and I think that they could easily be caught. Like, by halftime, they're down seven points. And then all of a sudden, it's, oh, shit, what's Arkansas going to do? And they can't get it together, and Illinois just slowly, like, just chokes the life out of them. Right. Yeah, and and Gonzaga's, you know, another one, like uh, like I said, I, I keep stepping on our later, a little, little later on, but they're they're getting hot at the right time. Like they absolutely mashed St. Mary's in that whack championship game after less than a week before playing a very tight final game of the regular season against them. And then they just, you know, they were like, no, this is how it's gonna be. Like, you're our little brother, like, or like, you know, like let's you're our bitch. And they bend them over a table and showed them how it was, like kind of stuff. Like, so uh, they're getting hot at the right time. The problem with Gonzaga, I'll save that for a little bit. So, yeah, I agree. Just didn't get handed an easy one. They got TCU in there, too, who was already – it's a team that beat them by 20 in Allen Fieldhouse. No one goes into Allen Fieldhouse and wins like that. TCU did it, all right? So they have no fear of them. And if they, can, if they somehow move on past Gonzaga and then UCLA – Never know. UCLA is as we um, we were talking off the podcast. They're missing. their Jalen Clark. They're probably their best defender is done for the year, and then they're they're missing possibly one other player. Um, they're not sure yet if he's going to be ready for the, the the tournament or not. But you know who knows how far they can get it. If, you know, we got to remember the every year there's one team that everyone's just been, and there, I feel like there's been a lot of UCLA heat going into this like. Who says UNT Asheville just out of nowhere doesn't come out and just bang in 73s or something? And it's like, bye bye UCLA. I personally don't buy into UCLA. I think they're a little overrated. I never bought into the Jaime Hawkes type. I, I don't think he's that good. I feel like Tyga Campbell has been in college longer than Perry Ellis ever was at Kansas. Like, it just, I, the, the dude's been, has been playing for like 17 years. I feel like he was a senior on that Final Four team, and now he's a senior. It makes zero yeah. sense to me. I don't know. Like, like I, don't, I don't know. It's weird. So, regardless, it's a tough – it's a tough um, – it's definitely region. a tough region. And then, you know, that leaves the last number one in Houston, who kind of just, like you said, three losses all year. They kind of just been going about it. One of them was – Random blip on the radar to mediocre Temple team. The third one was to this in the final 
game of the season in the in the AAC championship. You know, Kelvin Santon's been there before. He he's gotten them to a Final Four, a couple of Elite Eights. He did it with Oklahoma in the past. He knows how to win. He knows how to get his teams there. Biggest question is is Marcus Sasser healthy? If Marcus Sasser isn't healthy, probably in trouble. But if they can get through round one and two and not necessarily needing him and he can come back at like 70%, watch out because everyone wants to write Houston off. I think maybe this is the year they finally kind of sneak up and it's like, oh, wow, like, like Memphis back in the mid 2000s with the Calipari, where it's everyone kind of wanted to always give up on them. And then finally, this is the year they get through. I think I think for Houston, if there is one one seed that is does have the region lined up for them, I think it is Houston. Like I'm not we our feelings about Iowa have been expressed. We're not sold on Iowa ever really making a deep run. If they do ever make a deep run, it's a sign of the apocalypse at this point. Mm-hmm. Miami Rich. Anymore, twelve <laughs> feet of snow in California, you know, like so. Yeah, who knows? We're we're already there at this point. Uh, Miami. Miami has Isaiah Wong, but not much else. Local kid, exactly. Of course, uh, Indiana. I mean, Indiana has been so up and down never that never bought it. Never bought the hype. I don't think Trace Jack Jackson Davis. Davis. Is that, I, I, I was right when I was at. I thought, okay, yeah, I never bought into him. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Like, I don't think Mike Woodson was that good of a coach in the pros, let alone in college. Like, I think I you guess- can. I, I I think Indiana is just at this weird spot where like they need to be realistic with where they are as a program, and that like a four seed in a regional tournament that's a huge step from where they were just a couple of years ago. So like for Woodson, if he can if he can do like the stackhouse method of just like just keep showing signs of improvement and just steadily continue to grow, then It'll happen. It's just going to take time to get there. Well, yeah, the, the difference is that everyone wants Indiana to be good. Like that's that, true. You know what I mean? Like, no yeah. one's craving for Vanderbilt success because they never, you know, outside of a couple of random years, they never have been much. But you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just – I don't I don't get it. I, I think their record – I think they're a little over overblown. It's – yeah, it's, it's if just there, – Some of these seeding choices, I was like, oh, that's a little high. And Indiana is one of those teams. Uh, well, so but... so here's a team that I guess I'll save that. That's another one. So we're talking about double digit seeds in a couple minutes, but like, yeah, out, Penn like, State. They're definitely one. So like, but here's the thing: like, side of that, like we already talked about Purdue, but like, East is the one that's going to offer up the most chaos. I really okay. do. Like. Surprise me if Kansas State all the way to the Final Four somehow out of that region, but it also wouldn't surprise me if they lose in the first round or some or second round or something, and somehow fucking Duke is, you know, winning that region that no one wants to see. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just we already talked about how we don't like Purdue. Marquette is probably the flimsiest of all two seeds, and I like Shaka Smart. I think he got a raw deal, Texas. I think they never wanted him to succeed from the start. I don't get it. I would give to have him at Notre Dame or UNC or any of the schools I support. Like, easily would take him in a heartbeat. Like, it's cool to see Marquette. Never had a problem with them. You know, old, the Big East, the whole nine yards. But I just – there's something about them where I get to see them being like like Missouri in 2012. 
great regular season. You know, shit's the bad in the in the tournament. Like, and then like Kansas State's a three seed. I like them. Like, or is this like another like Kentucky and Duke? Like, they're two the two teams that everyone wants to hate. That one of them get lucky. Although Kentucky's losing in the first round, I think their former Bryce Hopkins is going to take it personal and be like, "Hey, Calipari, you think I'm good enough? Well, fuck you. This is what I'm going to do to you." And I think I think Providence is taking him down in the first round. I kind of I'm on board with that because like last year, last year Kentucky, Kentucky I think played Tennessee in the SEC tournament championship or the semifinal, and I think Kentucky barely won by the skin of their teeth, and they just showed like no signs of toughness. That's mm-hmm. my biggest concern with Kentucky. And then they lost. In the first round of St. Peter's. Exactly. Also, like, Oscar Shibway is like we talked about Zach Eady, but Oscar Shibway is the new fucking Luke Garza. He gets away wow. with a travel on every goddamn play. He gets away with so many offensive fouls. It's not that Vanderbilt game. I couldn't, and yes, I'm a Vanderbilt fan, but I even had friends of mine who have no skin in the game who literally were, had money on Kentucky and they're like, dude, Shibway should have fouled out of this game seven minutes ago. I, I'm waiting to, I'm, I'm hearing he's not all that, this. He's not that good. Exactly. I'm, sorry, like, I'm, I'm hearing all this like Oscar Shibway. They got Oscar Shibway. They got Oscar Shibway. And I'm like, I'm waiting for these like offensive performances, these explosions where like I'll give Garza credit. He still had games where he put up like some monster numbers, but like I just haven't seen that from Oscar Shibway to enough. At least like, he could hit all. a three pointer, right? At least he could hit a yeah. three pointer. Like Oscar Shibway literally gets the ball, takes six steps, throws his elbow goes like this and like tackle someone and then goes up for a layoff three steps later. And it's like, it's, it's honestly, I, I'm literally watching the game and even I me mean, even sitting there watching it with Mary. And even she's like, how is this guy not found out yet? How <laughs> isn't that a walk? And she goes, all right, you're, you get, she even looked at me. She's like, you get hysterical about stuff, but like, that's this, this is ridiculous. And even if, even if Kentucky does advance, they beat Providence. They still lost. <laughs> Twice in ten days. Weren't good enough for the tournament. <laughs> so, even if Kentucky does beat Providence, I still think that they're going to have problems with Kansas State because uh, I, I I think Kansas State advances, and I think they're going to have major problems with. Um, I think K State just going to out tough them, and they're going to outrun them, and then they're going to really just outgrind them. And I think that's been the biggest characteristic that I've noticed the last few years of Kentucky is just their lack of will and like grit. And like, mm-hmm. they've been so spoiled by having the Anthony Davises, the Carl Anthony towns, the like all these star studded cast, the Devin Booker's like that Calipari's message just doesn't get through anymore. And they're all these recruits are like, I don't want to say that they feel this way, but it looks like by the way that they play that they expect the switch to come on. Right. But they they haven't they haven't built the pedigree or the resume to be able to have a switch in the first place. So that's where it's like I I could easily see Providence catching Kentucky down like or catching catching Kentucky and Providence is up like 12 points, 13 points a half. And then Calipari's yelling and screaming and the kids are tuning it out and they're already thinking about the draft or the combine or what girls are that in was, the DMs. That was, yeah, that was my favorite on the end of the game last Friday. Like 
she would literally get in away with every possible foul and walk and travel ever. And then like Vanderbilt's bringing the ball to the floor. Their guy goes up for a shot and literally gets his arms ripped off. And Calipari's in the sideline. To his arm, <laughs> like, and it's like, really? Like, Calipari. Calipari, whenever there's a foul call on one of his players, he looks like ripping the. He, yeah, it's like it's like Tony Soprano getting upset and starts stress eating. Like I'm like Calipari. It'll never get old watching the clip of John Taney trying to kill him. That is true. That is. Kill you, you motherfucker. (laughs) That is. That is why John Taney is a fucking legend. That is true. Uh, All right, so. Let's talk sleepers because that's what that's what's gonna upset some people. That's what's gonna you know bust brackets. It, are I'm there? Say the upset alert. The real quick is that. Go ahead. Together, I think we agree that all four and five seeds are pretty much like outside of maybe Duke. It's like so we already talked about that. Like Indiana, Miami, St. Mary's, UConn, Tennessee. Who I think is the it's going to be the most prone to it. San Diego State, Virginia, all of them, like, good alert. Typical four, five, the five, the five, twelve, four, thirteen. The ones mm-hmm. that go down a lot. I think this is going to be that year. You're going to see a lot of that. Uh, Tennessee just hasn't been the same since the Kai Ziegler went down. UConn has been so up and down. You never know what's coming from them. I think St. Mary's got really, really exposed, and that can that that. Uh, Championship game against Gonzaga. As we talked about, Indiana, we don't buy a lot into it. Miami, pretty much Isaiah Wong and not a lot else. Um, it's, it, it is I think, going to be a lot of right-for-the-picking teams. Uh, Virginia's lost uh, Vander Plus. And San Diego State is San Diego State. It's like you don't really know what the note you're going to get from them because you don't see them a lot on TV. They're going against one of the darling the on the the darlings like Charleston, who I watched that championship game and they're a scary team. I could see them easily get into the Sweet Sixteen. Absolutely, it's probably played out at this point. But this year, more than ever, for the four and five teams and maybe even the six seeds, better be on high alert. Absolutely. So, who are some? Who are a few double digit seed teams that could? Uh, cause some chaos this year. So, uh, as mentioned, College Charleston, they got San Diego State, they're a 12 seed. Uh, I think I've read it said Furman. I, I obviously haven't seen a lot about them, but you never know. Um, yeah, so Louisiana is the one playing Tennessee, and I've read a lot about that. Like them, I also saw a little bit of their game. They're, they're pretty quick team fast i think they shoot some threes a lot like they could easily you know create some damage if they wanted to um they're not a double digit seed but florida atlantic had a really 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 good year they get past memphis guess who their second round matchup is purdue so why not see them go a little bit further we already talked about providence i think even though they lost that game a light bulb kind of came on with them uh, against UConn in the Big East tournament. And I just think that, um, I don't know, I just feel like 
they're they have that feel of that that big east team that's just ready to just make that run that no one saw coming kind of thing. Um like I said, I don't have much faith in St. Mary, so VCU, Iona with Patino that you mentioned earlier. You know, like all these teams are there's a possible, but um I think the three that I'm I'm gonna put the most stock in is Drake, who has a 12 seed in the wet Midwest against Miami. It's Kyle to Charleston, the 12 seed in the South. San Diego State's their opponent. And I think it's Providence, the 11th seed in the East. They're the three uh, I'm putting the most stock in, making a run to the Sweet 16 or a little bit further. Well, I like and it. And that means they'll probably all be out by Friday. It's <laughs> <laughs> all your bounce in the first round. It's yeah. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> There's a reason I don't get paid to do this, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a reason. Um, well, I mean, with Drake, with Drake specifically, Drake really caught me by surprise because, like, I caught um, their championship game against Bradley, and they were just shooting the cover off the ball. They were running up and down the floor, and I was just really impressed with that team's, like, overall energy. And, again, I talked about it with Kentucky. Their will to win and just that chip-on-your-shoulder mentality. They don't even have a chip. They just have a full-on, like, boulder on their shoulder. Um, and, and this isn't their first dance. This team, I think, has been here once or twice. This iteration of the team, I think, it's made a, a tor- the tournament a couple times in the last like four or five years. Exactly, and that's going to be huge. And like they're probably also great, I, great uni set by the way. Oh, Love oh their fantastic! Unis. If there was one positive, even though Bradley was getting blown out, that game was a great uniform matchup. Um, but with with Drake, I was just really impressed with that. What they're again, like I said, their shooting, their energy, and I. If I'm one of these like mid-major schools, I'm looking at the big dogs, like the top twenty-five. And I'm looking at all this movement, and I'm saying we could beat, we could beat them. Like if there's any year where we could go out and shock the world, it's this year. So I, I think more compared to past years, I think like you said, there's going to be a lot more upsets than usual. And you are going to be sweating, probably like flipping through the March Madness app. Um, internet connections will be tested, unlike mm-hmm. ever before. This is always the time of year where, like, my high school, it was like, we're going to see what this internet is made out of. We're really going to test this thing out. And that and, first Friday is March Man- March Madness, St. Patrick's Day, and anytime St. Patrick's oh Day, oh my God, Paul, March Madness, one of those first that first weekend falls first two days it is just upsets galore it just happens it just yep. so i just you know people are going to be drunk and the action's going to be drunk so let's put it that way so absolutely I just i just yeah i just i just i can see at least three two to three uh, 13 seeds in the sweet 16 say that again two to three 13 seeds i could see eight to Eight to three or two to three ranging from eight to 13. Gotcha. So at least okay. two to three teams. I'd say three. I'm going to say at least three. Put my money on it. And I say there's going to be at least three teams that fall in the eight to 13 range. So over, over on the three. So over under is two and a half. We're sending the over under two and a half, and you're taking the over on that. Because yeah, I feel like saying a six seed is kind of a cop out. Like yeah, six yeah, and no, seven is kind of is. like eight is where it's still like, you know what I mean. So like, eight, yeah, exactly. Eight, eight to thirteen. 
range. I think I like at least it. three of them will get get into the Sweet Sixteen. Um. All right. So, last. I mean, final four. Who do we think is going to make it? So, um. Well, real quick, I'll say my sleeper teams, and I won't go too in depth. But go ahead. Yeah. Absolutely. The guys, I kind of already explained. I think they're getting hot at the right time. Baylor with their three guards can really do damage when they lock in. As long as Keontae George is is going good, Xavier. Um, Miller kind of not redemption, but like FU tour, kind of like hey, everyone was wanting me down for years now. Yeah, it's a little bit of a revenge tour for him. And then K State and TCU. So I talked to you in the beginning. I I kind of had them pegged in January. I watched them a lot in the, the middle of the season. They're those typical teams that got really really hot, had a bunch of puff pieces written about them, and then they kind of fell off the map from like end January to like. And, like, there was, like, a month from, like, the end of January to the end of February where they did a lot of, like, winning three games, losing. Like, it was, like, a, a lot of, like, five and six stretches or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think they straightened it out. And K-State's got two third-team All-Americans, a great, a really great story. And um, the uh, transfer from Florida, uh, oh, my God, Keontae Johnson. Deontay Johnson's right. Literally almost died on the court years ago and has come back to, to, to not only, you know, lead his team to a three seed but and win conference honors, but he's a third team All American. Um, him and uh, like Nuquelis Johnson or Nuquelis Johnson, I forget how to say his name, but I just, K State's got that feel. Their, their coach was Baylor's assistant coach, and Baylor won it two years ago. He knows how to win in March. He's been on that bench for a year. I just – I like K-State a lot. TCU, Jamie Dixon did it with Pitt. Can probably do it with these guys. They're tough teams who know how to win when the ball gets dirty, and that's what you need in March. You need to be able to win dirty. You need to be able to find ways to score, and both of them do it. And I think they're the two that not a lot of people will look at, whereas a lot of people, you know, saying, oh, Gonzaga's a sleeper. How can he – well, they're a three seed this year. Not a lot of expectations. Drew Timmy's last ride. Maybe this is year they finally kind of at least get to the back to the final four. We'll see. So they're the ones I have the most faith in. I'm not, what about you? Any sleepers? I would like to add, I would like to add Penn State to that list. And I do not say this like as a fan because I will be the first one to admit I have not watched as much of this team as other people have. And but from what I gathered, just in that Big Ten title game alone, is that this team competes for each other. They compete hard for each other. And, like, I think Shrewsbury has gotten them to buy into playing tenacious, hellish defense. And they were giving Purdue problems with that trap that mm-hmm. or that press towards the end of the game. Oh, that trap was – yeah, it's what got it back into that game. Exactly. So, they I think it's good. the ball. They, they, Miles Dredd, Andrew Funk, they can shoot the cover off the ball. Lundy or whatever his name is, the Roman Catholic kid. Yep, Seth Lundy. He he can get to the get to the hole or take perimeter shots. Jalen Pickett, you can he can go nuclear some games mm-hmm. and just completely carry this team to wins, and which is big. You just listed four players that can can do some like when one is down, three others can pick, and that's key for double for lower seeds and how you win. Texas A&M is, I do not buy into them. They win by getting foul shots. 
If you can limit the amount of free throws they get, they can't shoot threes for dick. So if they have to start relying on three-pointers, they're screwed. They are absolutely screwed. And, you know, they they looked great against Vandy in that semifinal game because Vandy fell into the trap where they let them get fouled and get the free throws and then also getting easy buckets and second chances. But if you limit their second chances and free throws, you can easily contain Texas A&M. It's not hard at all. So I can see them getting by them with no problem. Texas is another problem because I can see Texas going on a real run, but reading their their clippings and not paying attention and Penn State just for that it's that one game where they just get really hot from downtown and decide and shooting the lights out easily can beat them so no Penn State's definitely another one of those double digit seeds I'm talking was talking about like they could I could see them I could see them after watching that big 12 champion big 10 championship game yeah I could easily see them making making some noise them and for whatever reason I don't know if I'm I'm just nostalgic or not nostalgic I wasn't alive Arizona State and Bobby Hurley like seeing that their reaction to just barely getting into the tournament and not even into the tournament they're one of the first four games in when we're taping this Nevada and yeah they're playing Nevada and um for whatever reason just seeing that reaction just made me think that like this team is going to scratch and claw for every single possession like you said you have to win dirty, and I think that if any team embodies their co- a former player as a coach and his toughness and his drive and just the sheer will to win, well, it's, it's you said it the first time dirty. I want to say <laughs> toughness. <laughs> Sorry, as a UNC fan, I cannot <laughs> give Duke guy credit. As I'm wearing a Jordan UNC shirt, um. But either way, I think that they could definitely catch some teams by surprise. And I think, I believe, assuming that they beat uh, Nevada, I believe that they're set up against Iowa State, if I remember correctly. Or no, excuse me, they're uh, set up against TCU. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I may have to double back on that real quick. I mean, never mind. Let's try. I take that back. Well, the other half of that in-state, Arizona, they're a team that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Okay, but the last time I bought easily, in Arizona, the, the, they the, the last time I bought take in, advantage of that, that Alabama malfunction is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, oh okay. I was gonna say, that's what I'm saying. Bought, no one's buying into them. You haven't heard much about them. Yeah. Last year they they shit the bed as a one seed. Everyone was like in on them. Why not? Why not? Maybe this year they're kind of sneaking under the radar. They get to the final four. No one really noticed, kind of thing. I don't have a lot of stock in it, but. It wouldn't surprise me or them at Baylor come out of that region. That also wouldn't surprise me either. Well, I also watched the last like three minutes of that Pac-12 championship game, and I think Bill Walton by the end of it got me fully on board with the Pac-12. <laughs> so he's the, the greatest. He really is. He's so great. Should we do a Final Four predictions? Because I feel like it's so hard to predict now. Like what? Yeah, I I couldn't even tell you. I honestly like, like I like like off the top of my head. Yeah, I'll say uh, Baylor in the South, Kansas State in the East, uh, Gonzaga in the West, and uh, Houston in the Midwest. And that's strictly just me liking three of those teams. (laughs) So, but like, none of that's going to come true. I I have no idea. I really don't. I, I don't even, I have no clue who to say. 
Um, it could be one of those years, all four number one seeds. It could be a year it's not. I think it's going to be out of the South. I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go Baylor in the South. In the Midwest, I really want to go Penn State, but I can't do that. Uh, I think I think Houston is going to really silence a lot of critics and make the Final Four out of the Midwest. In the West, I mean, this whole gauntlet, it's going to – it's incredibly tough to predict. Honestly, I, TCU – I, I think TCU and, and my second choice, if I had to pick one, would be Illinois, just because I think that they could really take a lot of teams by surprise. Uh, and then the East, I mean, you could – Michigan State and USC are not making it. I, I hate to break that news now, but I can firmly plant my flag that those teams are not advancing and, right. and anywhere near. I'm going to ride with Marquette. I'm going to go big. I'm going to stick with the big. I would love to see Marquette. I'm going to say, actually, I'm going to change to in the South. It's Baylor, Arizona. One of those two is getting through. I just, Alabama. I just don't, I just don't think, I think this thing is eventually going to bite them all in the ass and eventually it's just going to overcome everything. No, I agree with you. I I think it, it will get to that point. And I think, I think championship DNA, especially with the coaching staff is what's going to matter. That's going to be a huge difference maker. And Baylor has championship DNA, Virginia mm-hmm. championship DNA. I mean, yeah, even they West, still got a couple of players on their and, teams. You and know? even even West Virginia, like, has kind of flown under the radar and kind of been like, eh, they're there. But like, West Virginia could press Virginia for a reason. And we've seen play like Javon. Well, I don't want to talk about West Virginia <laughs> because the fact that they got it, they they, they especially the guy at River Bandage. Do do some deep well, breathing exercises. Well, uh, it just, it just, and and this is, and people are, and a lot of Andy fans are like, well, they did it themselves, yeah. But it's like, all right, when you beat Kentucky twice in ten days, and you also have wins against Auburn, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Arkansas to go on that resume, and Pitt, but because you lost the Grambling in November. Yeah, no. When you're like, that's so stupid. Yeah, and we were kind of texting about this when the bracket was coming out. It was like the math doesn't add up of how Vandy could beat all these teams that the committee is putting in the tournament, but they're getting held out because of losses, like you said, from early in the season. Well, what matters? How you start or how you finish? Why do losses count more than wins now? (laughs) Mic drop, boom, that's it. That's essentially what it is. It's like, oh, well, you lost these, these, you lost the Southern Miss Grambling and LSU. So that matters more than the fact that you beat Kentucky twice, Tennessee with a fully healthy Zakai Ziegler, Auburn, them to the wire, almost beat Missouri in Missouri, and beat uh, as well. And then Don't on top no of it, they also beat. Pitt lost to NC State by four. Remember, uh, tournament. Uh, one other team that I think they beat that made it, and one other team they lost to by like two. Well, zero cents. Oh, and they finished six in their conference, and three teams that finished under them got in. I. I don't know. I don't know what to say to me other than breathe. I don't know. 
Hey, it's positive. It's positive. You know, listen. The, the two players yeah. have already. The two two of the big players have already said they're coming back for next year, which is huge. Especially Ezra Mignon. Um, and then they get they get like the number sixtieth overall recruit, which will help. And the freshman for hopefully if they they hopefully go on a run into the. In the NIT to get the big fresh their their freshman players more run and the one guy that would have been like taking minutes for them already said he's going into the transfer portal which is kind of like good riddance. Mm, gotcha. Well, all right. We'll see what happens. That does it for all of us here at the Black and Blue Pod. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy March Madness all day basketball for the next few days, and uh, we'll see. We hope that your bracket turns out a little bit better, uh, or. We could have just made it 10 times worse. We don't know. But that's the fun <laughs> part about March Madness. We'll catch you in the next episode. Please uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on social media platforms if you're interested in clips and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, that does it for us. So uh, enjoy March Madness, everyone. <laughs>